Howdy, y'all. You're listening to Managing Up. I'm Travis Weisgood, and today I'm joined by Nick and uh, B-Dog. Hi. Yo, it's B-Dog. <laughs> that was my junior high nickname, I will have you know. Really? Yes. Uh, was it that's the, the nickname story you gave, can... gave yourself or one that was given to you? It was given to me. I did not, self, I did not self-identify as B-Dog, but I do now. So thank you for that. I, I am just seeing, like, uh, in my mind's eye, uh, middle school you going around and introducing yourself as B-Dog right now. <laughs> you know what? And it didn't help me get dates. That is so weird looking back. It totally should have. That's that very strange. Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, today we're going to talk about uh, one-on-ones and uh, just sort of a, a intro to them, why you should be having them, uh, some things you might want to be thinking about as you start uh, having them if you haven't had them. Um, and possibly some things that can uh, help you improve the value that both uh, you and your reports get out of them. Uh, so I'm going to ambush Nick with this one first. Nick, why do you hold one-on-ones? Why do you hold one? That's a great question. I don't know. For me, the the most important thing about a one-on-one is to create a safe space for me and somebody who reports to me to talk about any and all manner of things and to build rapport. Those are the two key reasons in my mind. How about y'all? I actually really like those ideas of making a a space that feels safe and building rapport. I definitely use that for that, but I'd never really outlined it as such. So mine was always more pragmatic about having a specified time to raise concerns and create and follow up on plans with somebody, like make evil plans with someone around their career or uh, their plans around work or help them find ways of being more effective and make connections that they might not have made otherwise uh, without time to pause and reflect. Yeah, for me, one-on-ones is kind of a cross between those two. Um, I definitely want to have a space that's outside the norm uh, to connect with people um, and see what they, what's on their mind, what they want to talk about, uh, to address any concerns they have, give them the context that I have uh, of the business and the, the rest of the organization. Um, I try to, to go into uh, each one-on-one with every, uh, every individual uh, with an open mind and and see what they need out of it and see what they want out of it. Um, I've had people that really just want somebody to talk through ideas with. Um, I've had people that want it to just be a straight uh, status update. Um, And I've had folks that want to talk about absolutely nothing work-related and spend time talking about our favorite vacation spots and uh, what cool restaurants we've gone to in the last week. I definitely have had those experiences as well. Although I came from a place where like many things in my journey as a manager, I thought I knew better than the people that I managed earlier in my management career. Uh, and so I had a very specific idea. My philosophy, and I don't know that the philosophy underneath this has changed a ton, but my strategy has changed dramatically. And it is, I was only doing one-on-ones once a month with with the people that I was managing at the time. And as such, they were pretty. they had to be pretty dramatic. And I needed to make sure I was answering three questions for people where is this company going? What's my role in it? And how am I doing? And people do need to know those things. I don't know, you know, whether one-on-ones are the appropriate, you know, exact time to do that. But when you're only doing them once a month, that became sort of a necessity for me. Obviously that's evolved a lot since then. And I'm very much have arrived at the conclusion that uh, the purpose of a one-on-one probably should largely be determined by the person that you're managing. Shocker there. Yeah, that's that's a pretty hard and fast rule I have. It's not my meeting to to direct. Um, I try to encourage folks that I have one-on-ones with to 
create an agenda and and let me know what they would like to talk about. If there's something that's on their mind through the week, to add it to the agenda through the week so we make sure that we get to it, make sure we allow time for it. Um, and then obviously any extra time, we can shoot the breeze, we can talk about company strategy, whatever's on their mind, whatever's the most important thing for them to, for us to talk about. And I'll occasionally have points that I bring as well, but I try to keep it few and far between. I try to find other forums for those things. Yeah, mentioning the uh, uh, having them drive the agenda, I've gone so far as to whether it's a, a wiki page in Confluence uh, that only we have access to or a shared Google Doc, um, having uh, an agenda and meeting notes that we both work on um, and asking everyone, hey, like get an agenda, even if it's just a rough one of a, a few bullet points you want to talk about uh, going into this, have it ready so that I can review it. Um, at least a few hours before the meeting um, so that if there's any questions I need to get answers to before I come in, I can I can come prepared. Um, and it really puts it on uh, the employee to think about what they want out of it um, and uh, ensures that they're getting the most out of it if they sit down and think, okay, well, what would I like to talk about? Um, so I found having that shared agenda uh, as a starting point is a really good way to help shift that uh, <clears throat> shift the the feeling that it's uh, your meeting as a manager uh, that and you're the one that's running it uh, onto uh, the the person you're having the one on one with. Yeah, I think that's a great tip. The other thing I like to do is use the same document to record action items during the meeting. So if there's things that I need to follow up on between this one on one and the next time that we meet, that I can remember to do them and that I have the accountability to do them. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's well, one of the reasons I've, I've slowly started using something like Confluence um, is that they have uh, action items as part of their wiki pages. And we can just create a document that like every time we go in and look at our meeting notes, we can say, OK, what are the outstanding action items? Who are they assigned to? Is there a date associated with it? And it gives us that like kind of a, the starting point or the jumping off point for any meeting. Hey, what's outstanding? What are we going to update each other on? Um, and so on. So I'm the decidedly Luddite old school uh, hanger on here because I still do all mine on paper. And uh, I have a, a strategy I use for action items is so I sit there and because it's hard for me to feel present when I have a screen in front of me at all of any kind. And, um, and that, that's more of a personal thing of not knowing how to like properly shut everything else down in order to be fully there for that person. And the, and I don't have to have that kind of discipline if I'm using pen and paper. And so I have a strategy for dealing with action item type stuff. I write a little HW for homework if I'm giving somebody else homework to take with them and then I'll follow up with them about it. Or I put a little star, uh, next to things that are action items for me. And I'll transfer those to like my personal Trello board or whatever, uh, to make sure that that turns into some kind of action. I'm constantly writing while somebody's talking, including like writing direct quotes from them. Um, I'm, I'm finding that strategy really useful, but I also recognize that's not super scalable. Uh, it's not, that won't work as well with distributed teams and stuff like that. It, you um, don't say, yeah, it seems to be it's one of those in-person-y type deals. You're not at a coffee shop. You're not, you know, you're not sitting in an office together. You're so I, I am curious about some of those differences. But I, I want to pull up one level before we dive into some of that stuff and ask about some of the logistics in terms of scheduling, timing, how long these are. Like, how how often do y'all have one-on-ones for them to be effective, and how long do you usually have those meetings? And what other like logistical concerns do you wind up having to solve? I mean, mine are 30 minutes once a week, and I try to be super cognizant of manager time versus maker time. So I ask all of my reports 
when the best time of day, when the least interruptive time of day to have a one-on-one is for them, which makes my schedule tough and super fractured. But from the mindset that I'm there to serve the team, that's what I feel like is the right thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. That's one thing that I catch myself falling into the trap uh, of occasionally is like, hey, I have this 30-minute window. Is that that okay? Um, rather than, hey, when would be a good 30 minutes? Um, in terms of timing for mine, it really depends um, on a, a couple of factors. Um, one, is it a, a one-on-one with a direct report or is this a, a skip report one-on-one or something like that? Um, or just somebody in the team that I'm wanting to, to sync up with um, on a, a semi-regular basis. Uh, so it's anywhere from uh, weekly to monthly. Um, and I go uh, anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. Um, if it's somebody that, that has just started and we're syncing up, we might have uh, one-on-ones every other day for 30 minutes to an hour uh, until we really get a good working relationship and uh, understand each other, understand uh, what the other needs from, uh, from each other and uh, so on. So it's kind of a... Uh, there's no hard or fast. I think you really need to have it at least 30 minutes. Um, I, that may be just more my style of talking an awful lot um, and enjoying conversation. Um, I, from time, the hourly uh, um, one-on-one that's happening weekly, uh, it does start to feel like an awful lot. If it's somebody that you really need that much time with once a week, you're probably already talking uh, with them a fair amount anyway. Um, so that's another thing I try to be cognizant of. How many conversations am I having with this person uh, just as a, a, hey, I'm walking by your desk or, hey, I'm a ping on Slack kind of a thing. That's a really good point that it's largely contextual. Mm-hmm. Um, and you may be having out of band conversations with somebody. Y'all have seen, um, y'all have seen my calendar. It's not wildly different for you. Once you start managing multiple people, and in my case, probably more than is realistic, uh, you know, at a certain point you cross a certain threshold where it becomes not realistic anymore to do an every week one-on-one with somebody, even if they do need it. Um, and so I'm, I'm at every other week with all of, uh, all the people that, that I manage. And, uh, even that is a lot. And so trying to, uh, and I, I, the, one of the ways I've tried to clamp down is I've actually scheduled for 45 minutes instead of an hour. And, they tend to run over and I don't schedule them back to back for this reason, but I really am mentally trying to keep that to 45 minutes. If I can, um, I allow the extra 15 minutes of buffer in case something goes over, but I really like when, you know, we can tie it off and 45 minutes feels like it was enough even every other week. Um, but it, uh, you know, if I, if I was managing half the number of people that I'm managing, I think. I was going to say, I'm a big fan of uh, Google's Google Calendar's short meetings for exactly that reason. Um, the hour-long meeting becomes a 50-minute meeting, so you've got that 10-minute window, or the 30-minute meeting becomes a 25-minute window. Um, I have not seen that because I use Fantastical the schedule, but um, I may switch over. It's, it's a configurable option in Google Calendar, and it, it is super helpful for exactly that reason. Yeah, I use it as well. I, so I have been a, a loyal paid user of Fantastical both on mobile and uh, Mac OS for years. Um, and I, I have in the last six months to a year uh, really come to like uh, Google Calendar directly for some of the things exactly like this. Yeah, so I the scheduling aspect of this can be can be kind of challenging and I know there are people that say, "Oh, I do one-on-ones on Tuesdays and Thursdays and all the other days I leave open for, you know, heads down work or whatever." I don't seem to have the either the discipline or the flexibility to make something like that happen to just stack one-on-ones in a day. Uh have y'all had any experience with stuff like that? I know I've seen people use that strategy. Yeah, I don't I don't have the stamina for it. 
I say I've been on on the receiving end of that um, and seen people try to to execute on it. Uh, some of them do, some of them don't. I think it really kind of comes down to like how do you get your energy? So it's kind of the, the classic introvert versus extrovert. Um, I know some people that if they tried to have uh, one-on-ones with more than three people and tried to have them all on the same day, they wouldn't be functional by the the, the last one. Um, I know some people that can do a 30-minute uh, one-on-one and have them back-to-back for four hours um, and walk out of it uh, and feel fresh. I, that's not me. I can't do that. Um, but I, I, yeah, I think it's more of a personal, like try, trying to figure out how, how you work through that situation. Um, and then a lot of it's going to depend on the team as well. Um, what's the, the state of the team? I think in a, a good situation with a really good rapport with everyone on the team, um, everything is, is running smoothly. You can probably stack them up more. Um, if you're working through a challenging period, whether it's, it's uh, managing change in the organization, um, dealing with new people, things like that, where there's just there's a lot more in the air that's being discussed during a one-on-one. Um, I, I think making sure you have that that uh, mental space to to recoup and recharge between them uh, is going to be important as a manager. Just to make sure you don't burn yourself out. Yeah, for me, it's sort of the same thing. I'm I'm very much an introvert, and so trying to stack them and have a full day of one-on-ones would just be exhausting for me. But also. Since my full team is distributed and all of my one-on-ones are over Zoom, it would be very hard for me to maintain the presence because it's it's even more difficult. It's hard to maintain presence in a one-on-one meeting in a room sometimes, and it's exponentially more difficult when all of your one-on-ones are over video chat. I've never managed a remote team, but one thing that I would seriously very much miss is the ability to say, hey, we should take this one-on-one on the road and go out for a walk and walk and talk. I absolutely love that. Working in downtown Austin, um, I am a block and a half from the Capitol. Um, and this time of year, when it's 60 or 70 degrees outside, it's like, hey, let's go walk for 20 minutes um, and just walk around the Capitol grounds. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, and it's nice to just kind of get away from everything. There's also some uh, some psychological research. Uh, and I wish I could remember the, uh, the source on this. Uh, but talking about having meetings where you're having a, a, a face-to-face conversation uh, and their particular uh, model was looking at face-to-face across the table uh, versus walking next to somebody. Um, and it's much easier to have a conversation walking next to somebody because the face-to-face is traditionally a very confrontational thing uh, to our brains. Um, and I've often wondered that in a uh, a remote conversation, and I, I managed. You just uh, put a ficus plant in front of your face, though. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I've wondered if that plays into the the conversation at all, or the dynamics of the conversation, because you're literally staring at a screen, and they're staring at a screen. You're looking directly at each other. Um, I can't help but wonder if if that plays into it a little bit and changes the dynamic uh, just a little. Yeah, it probably does. I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm familiar with the research you're talking about. If I, I think the last time I saw it, Kim Scott talks about it in Radical Candor. It's the last place that I remember reading it. That would totally make sense that that's where that came from. Yeah, we're uh, gonna we we need to have probably multiple podcasts about that book in the future. <laughs> uh, we totally yep. just need to do like a chapter by chapter review. Yeah. yeah, we 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 totally could. There's so much good info in there. Yeah, but yeah, it's that's one of the things that's hard about being managing a remote team is you lose that tool when you need to have a tough conversation. It is nice to be able to go out and walk around and, and be in the fresh air. Um, I, I think you lose some of the intensity of the face-to-face conversation by not being in the same room. I mean, there's definitely 
like, I don't know, maybe a 5% fidelity penalty for talking over video chat versus being face-to-face in the same room. That's interesting. And and it's funny, uh, Travis, you were talking too about the walk around the Capitol as a one-on-one. Apparently, I wonder how many other managers have done this because I know I have many, many. In fact, I actually used as a little bit of an index about how things were going at my company uh, when how many of my one-on-ones I had as a walk up and around the Capitol versus how many ended up at the Driscoll bar over whiskey. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So all of that stuff makes sense, but you have to start somewhere. You have to start with your first one-on-one. And I think it would be difficult to have any conversation about one-on-ones now without talking about Laura Hogan's, you know, questions for your first one-on-one blog post. Uh, I think it's, I resisted this blog post for a long long time, and now I actually use it pretty religiously in my first one-on-one, whether I'm uh, just taking over a report from somebody else or uh, moving into a new team. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to know if y'all have read that and what you think about it, whether you used it or whether you've evolved past something like that. Yeah, I've, I'm familiar with it. Uh, I've used it. Uh, I've used it exactly verbatim. I've also uh, adjusted it uh, a little bit. Um, I take it as the uh, I take the agile approach with it. Uh, take it, tweak it, and try to make it your own. Um, I, I have sat down in first one on ones, and you ask the first question, and somebody's like, "Hang on, just a second. They open up their computer and they're like, "Okay, I just slacked you the answers to all of these um, because they've been through it before um, and even use it themselves. So they they've done the self-assessment and know the answers themselves. That definitely takes the wind out of your sails a little bit. If you're like, "Hey, here's this technique, and they're like, "No, no, no, I know the technique, and I know the answers. Yeah. It does allow you to have a different conversation, though, uh, because you can say, "Okay, we're not gonna we're not gonna spend an hour going over this this checklist of things." Now let's really dig in. You've given this some thought. Uh, what do you want this to be? Um, and allows you to shift gears really quickly uh, and can can kind of bootstrap that that relationship um, in a way that that uh, the first time it happens can seem a little. Uh, a, a little deflating, like you say. Uh, but then once you move on past that, you're like, oh, wait, okay. So like, this is somebody who's actually given some thought to this um, and has ha- understands what it's like to be in the situation that I'm in. Um, and I, to a T, every person that's done this has always been a manager of people uh, that's done it for me. Um, but I, that can be one of the really challenging things in a one-on-one. It's one thing to have a one-on-one with a, an individual contributor um, and you're talking through code, but having a one-on-one with another manager and especially a new manager, those conversations are totally different uh, in my experience. And to have somebody who has the self-awareness to have gone through that process uh, for themselves uh, is always a, a good sign. Yeah, I haven't used Laura's question specifically. I've gone through sort of some similar style questions. I love the what makes you grumpy question, though. I think that that's such a great way to figure out. It's like a shortcut to, to talk about motivation and feedback style and interaction style and all sorts of things, because you never know what you're going to get back from that question. Yeah, I find that to be a rich vein. And I honestly think just coming out and asking somebody, what do you want to get out of one-on-ones? What do you want out of this time? And people have surprised me because my expectation is always that people won't have an answer. And I'm constantly surprised that people dig and usually find answers to that question. Yeah, I love having that as an early question. Um, Like, what is going to help you the most? Um, how can I help you the most? And especially in the uh, new team lead, new manager role, um, having that conversation early on, even if they don't have an answer immediately. And a lot of times, 
if I'm asking a question like that where there is the potential for a pretty deep answer, um, I'll couch it in like, I'm going to ask a question that I have no expectation that you have an answer to right now, but um, I want you to think about this and coming into our next one-on-one, I want you to tell me what you would like to get out of this and how I can help you the most. So you talked a little bit about status updates and it's okay if you want to use it for that. And I think there was a lot of backlash to using one-on-ones as a status update to where I think a lot of relatively new managers are actually afraid to do that. You're afraid to say, so how's it going? Because it's an easy trap to fall into. So what's going on with project A? Is project A going okay? What about project B? Are you worried about project B? Is project B at risk? And you're, you're kind of doing this project manager role as a default. And I think as a reaction to that, a lot of people won't even touch that stuff in the course of a one-on-one. And the context I try to provide to people um, in a one-on-one sometimes is, hey, you know what's really useful for me is to take the bucket of Legos that I have in my schedule, all the stuff that I feel like I'm supposed to be doing, and just dumping it all out and realizing I can't do all the things that I feel like I should be doing. And sometimes it helps to just sift through that stuff and figure out what's really important and maybe look for gaps and things that might be useful to do that I'm not currently doing. Yeah, when it comes to that prioritization piece, I think that's one thing that's really easy to forget. Um, We have a different context and a different view uh, of what the entire team is working on uh, across the entire organization, um, as well as the rest of the organization and where the priorities for the business are. Um, We just have an entirely different viewpoint, uh, the same way that the people we report to have an entirely different viewpoint. Um, But remembering that and remembering to communicate that uh, is a thing that's always a challenge for me. I know I've gone into to settings where I've had, uh, over the course of a week or two, had several one-on-ones where the same questions came up. And in my head, I'm making a mental note and saying, okay, this one's on me. Like, I feel like I've screwed up that I have this, these organizational level questions coming to me in one-on-ones from multiple different angles uh, where people don't feel like they have the context of what's going on. That's me forgetting that not everyone has the same context of the business and where we're going that I have. Um, so at the conversations you have, I think it's it's for me it's key to step back and look at all of them and see are there any things I need to be talking about the whole uh, talking about with the whole team? Are there areas where I've fallen down on communication uh, where I should be communicating things out to everyone uh, that I've just taken for granted that they already know? Um, so in addition to the the individual uh, the individual uh, benefits of a one-on-one with with individual uh, folks on your team, uh, it also gives you the opportunity to try to see are there themes and patterns, are there areas where I'm having different people come at me with the same general question, and is that underlying an area where I need to get better at communicating to everyone and not just on a one-on-one uh, basis? So they can be a really rich place for you to kind of calibrate yourself and make sure that you're uh, leading the entire team as a whole uh, as as good as you can. Yeah, I feel like there's a bit of nuance that we should call out here uh, between conversations around status updates and conversations around prioritization. I, I feel like prioritization is definitely always game on a one-on-one. I, I feel like there's usually better venues for status conversations, just pure status updates. Uh, and some of it's going to depend on the role of the person you're talking to as well, right? So if you're talking to somebody who's a senior engineer or an architect, and they're setting a lot of their own agenda and, and figuring out on their own where to spend a lot of their time, then absolutely we need to be having those prioritization conversations in a one-on-one. Uh, if it's somebody that's not a senior, not making as, not doing as much self-determination on what they work on, 
that's where I think you really risk getting into status update territory by default and just talking about how things are going and, and what work has been done. And I, I think if you have to do that or you feel you have to do that or they feel they have to do that um, to have that conversation, that's generally underlying some part of the process that needs to be revisited um, and figure out, okay, why is this a, why are we doing this? Yeah, there's some, there's some shared context that's definitely missing when that's happening. Yeah, if you're a manager and you feel like you don't understand what uh, your team is working on, unless you have that status update, it's like, okay, let's let's go back to the drawing board and figure out um, what are we doing wrong in the way we're, we're sharing the work we're working on. Um, and it could be any number of things. And I think this is one of the key things when you start thinking about uh, agile development is it, looking at the process that you have and, and trying to figure out, looking for the areas where things could be improved uh, is one of the, the the key pieces of that that I think all too often is actually the proper attention isn't paid to. Yeah, I would say the status stuff isn't as rich a mine because what you're fishing for is something useful and actionable. And I mean, status updates can be a way to build rapport because my five-year-old daughter, when we talk, it's nothing but status updates, right? And then Amber said this and Kimberly said this and she told me my dress was ugly, <laughs> but then she said she was just kidding. And, you know, that's, a, that's our, you know, we build rapport. So a question for both of y'all. Um, if you are having an interview or a, a, a one-on-one with somebody uh, who doesn't have a, who isn't gregarious, isn't going to be offering a ton of things, what are some of the go-to questions that you ask to try to kickstart that type of conversation that you have? So there is a blog post that the folks behind Get Lighthouse have done uh, called One-on-One Questions, One-on-One Meeting Questions Great Managers Ask Their Teams. Um, and it's got all sorts of good information on how to do one-on-ones, but first and foremost, it's got 87 great questions that all lead to good information. So what uh, are some examples? Well, they're grouped in, in sort of different categories, building rapport and trust, talking about career development, feedback, uh, an example on, uh, building rapport. Here's some questions. What did you do for fun in the past that you haven't had as much time for lately? Uh, what do you like to do in your free time? What are your hobbies? If it's around a holiday, do you celebrate holiday? How was it? What's one thing we could change about work for you that would improve your personal life? Ooh, that's a good so, one. Yeah, so those are those are all out of the sort of building trust and rapport section. So that last one is one that uh, I have a variation of uh, that I ask, especially on skip levels. If you could change one thing, like on your team, about how you work, about the work you're getting, like what's the one thing that you would change? Um, and... Uh, I don't think I've ever gotten, actually, I have one team that I've gotten the same answer from multiple people. And I'm like, okay, we really need to deal with this or this team's in trouble. <laughs> yeah. I call it the magic wand question. And I've learned to actually ask it in interviews because it's very revealing about the place you're about to go work at. I haven't thought about that in the context of, uh, being an interviewee. Um, yeah, but it's, a, it's really useful. It's one of my go-to questions uh, when I'm interviewing, uh, especially for somebody around a particular framework or uh, language where there's a particular skill set that I'm after that they're an expert in. It's mm-hmm. the, okay, what would you change about this? Like, yeah, what do you, you really, what do you hate about the tools you love the most is really also super useful. Yeah, I have a variation of that that I use too, and it's uh, when you find your mind drifting to work outside of work, what are you thinking about? What is it that makes you worried? So that actually is what I was going to say. I basically have three ones that I've been kind of rolling to lately um, with people as that are that are not as because uh, often if they're not forthcoming, 
um, they may they they may f- have secret a stash of fears or worries, and so I I'll ask them, what do you think people aren't worried about enough here? Uh, oh, that's great. What do you think people aren't celebrating enough here? And then what are what is standing in the way of you doing your best work? And it, those three questions like can yield enough you know information that you can actually use them. You can trot them out multiple times, and they don't feel rote. Um, but eighty seven sounds better than three. So I'm going to uh, definitely check that out. That's a great resource. Thank you. No, you just have the the uh, Swiss version. It's very minimalist. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's Dieter Rams's version. <laughs> so one of the other questions that I frequently find myself asking as a manager, especially with folks that are direct reports, is what could I do more of or less of that would make your life easier at work? Because I think it's I think it's super important to to get that feedback, especially from people that report to you, because they can give you better feedback than even your boss can often. Yeah, I like those leading questions, um, and I like the style and the specificity of yours, Nick, because mine was always similar, which was, you know, what what can I do to improve? And then I'll just sit on that and let it be weird for a minute. And that comes out of the book, Radical Candor and, and be like, no, 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 I'm not letting you off the hook. I really want you to think about things. Cause I know I'm not doing this perfectly, but it's not that they, it's not that they, that I'm not doing anything wrong and they're not serving, you know, the, their purpose by coming up with it. It's I'm not getting into things that jog their mind enough. And so they're like, uh, it's a lot easier to say, well, it would be really great if you asked me to come to fewer meetings instead of, um, you know, what can I do differently? Or what can I, you know, what can I do? It's what do you, if, what can I do more of or less of? Like, you know, what would be awesome is if you uh, came to more of my meetings. So you saw more of what I was experiencing in terms of tension with this other person that you're hearing about, or it would be really great if you, you know, asked me, le- if you interrupted me less when you came by my desk and you think you're just being social and I'm actually trying to focus. Not that I do that. <laughs> That is one thing that you definitely have going for you, Nick, uh, in the the remote vein. It's really easy to turn off notifications or just say snooze for an hour. <laughs> so it's, when it's you're funny. Sitting, it, it is. But it's also in a in a culture where communication happens fast. Sometimes it's difficult to maintain presence in a meeting without turning off notifications. So, yeah, sometimes if I'm having a really focused conversation, I'm going to have to turn off notifications in Slack so that I can focus on the person I'm talking to. Yeah, I do that. I, I actually have my notifications quieted during this conversation for exactly that reason. Some of the stuff we've been talking about actually leads me to one of the most important jobs of a one-on-one. And uh, Travis, you've you've said these exact words many times now in the course of our conversations on and off of the podcast. And the job of a one-on-one isn't about top-down information transfer. It's about listening, pausing, shutting up and listening for a minute. And the purpose of these questions is not to show that we're smart or convey information. It's to fish, you know, engagement and information and problems and surface things that might be lurking just under underneath the water that we might not otherwise see or hear or be able to help out with. And um, I think that gets lost a lot because it's really hard to remember and it's hard for people that especially people that that get into management because you like people so much. We enjoy the conversation. We have access to a lot of additional context. It's fun to share that. Um, but, but the thing that if I could go back in time and tell the five years ago version of me that was just getting into management, I really wish I could tell myself, hey, man, 
this is about, this is a listening exercise. This is a time where you can pause and listen and everything that you say and do is for the express purpose of improving the quality of your listening. Um, and that's a mantra I would like to try to repeat for myself because it's still something I'm growing at. I 100% agree there. Um, I try to take a mental note uh, during the meetings to think, okay, how much of this has been me talking? Um, because I enjoy having conversations. I enjoy having technical conversations. I enjoy talking about restaurants. I, I could sit and talk with anybody on my team for as long as they want to talk about just about any topic they want to talk about. Um, and I have to check, check that uh, in one-on-ones to make sure that this isn't just a chance to, to, to BS for a while, but we're actually, I'm actually providing some value. Yeah, I think one of the things I had to get good at when I first started doing one-on-ones, and it's it, we've talked a lot about one-on-one tools in this conversation, but one of my favorite one-on-one tools is just silence. If you can just be quiet long enough to let the person you're talking to speak, give them time to put their thoughts together, you can get all kinds of amazing insight, but it takes being quiet long enough for them to put their thoughts together to be able to share them with you. Well, thanks, Nick. And thanks, Travis. I think that's a really fantastic note to end on. And for everybody listening, I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you had some fun. I hope you learned a little bit as well. If you like the show, the best way that you can help out is to tell your friends about it and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again, everybody. Have a great week, and we will see you again soon.